Evening, everyone. How are we all? Good? Yes. Right, so tonight I've been given the task to talk to you all about relationships. Now, I'm going to be honest and say when I got given this, I was a little bit overwhelmed, so I'm not sure I'm going to get everything I wanted to say in 15 minutes, but just bear with me. I'll do my best. So, love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. So that's 1 Corinthians 13, 4 to 8. So just have a moment and think about how love is being described here. It's patient, kind, not envying, not prosteful. The list goes on. So I just want to take a moment and take a look at what I think is one of the best examples of this love.
So, I don't know about you, but when I was making that, I cried a few times, so I apologise if there's any tears. Um, so, Carl and Ellie, if you're not familiar with the film, go through life together, being patient and kind when things go wrong. They put each other's needs and feelings before their own, and they always protected each other, trusted each other, hoped and persevered. The passage from 1 Corinthians is frequently used in wedding ceremonies as a testament to what true love should look like. It sets a high standard for our romantic relationships to work as they are meant to. Each aspect of love should be strived for each and every day. It's hard to imagine a relationship that fulfills all of these qualities, facing very many problems, as each person loves the other with respect and care that reaches far deeper than physical intimacy. The Bible does not shy away from the natural extension of love that is physical intimacy, but it creates clear guidelines of how sexual relationships should function. We're told in Thessalonians that we should have control over our own bodies and live the life that God intended for us. And 1 Corinthians reminds us that God created us so every part of us is his and should be used for good. Therefore, our priority should be to keep our relationship with, the, with God at the centre of our romantic relationships so that we can honour ourselves and in turn honour him. We're not told that sex is bad, or what said sex, um, as it was created by God to be enjoyed. In this setting, it can bring new and an exciting dimension to an already deep and living relationship. But in today's society, very little, very little thought is given to what it means to really respect ourselves and one another, which is why so many relationships find themselves becoming toxic. This can be seen through arguments, cheating, abuse, and many other things that damage us. Lust has taken priority over love that is outlined in 1 Corinthians, which results in people using each other for their own physical pleasure and little else. If we all remember to love one another in the way that Paul tells us to, then our romantic relationships would blossom into something that would serve a much higher purpose. As individuals, we should aim to serve God in our everyday lives. And any romantic relationships we enter into should only enhance this further. This is why love is so important. As through mutual respect and patience, we can grow as individuals and together as couples to live a life that honours and fulfils us. But Paul's teaching in 1 Corinthians is often thought to be purely about romantic love. But that isn't the case. He's actually addressing the church in Corinth, hence Corinthians, and he's showing us how we should love each other as fellow humans, not just as partners. So verses 1 to 3 emphasises this by saying that a person's faith can be strong and their actions can be good, but without love they have nothing. So we are called to love everyone equally, regardless of race, religion, gender, age, class, etc. You get the idea. But in reality, how many of you can actually say you love every single person you encounter like this? I can't. It's all too easy to find yourself subconsciously judging others, treating others unfairly due to personal bias or personal gain. It's easy to love those that we have closest to us, but it becomes more difficult to love those that we don't like. So how are we meant to extend selfless and genuine love to those that we find unlovable? How do we cultivate living relationships with all people? So this is where God comes in. Love, little fact for you, is mentioned 600 times in the Bible. And so it's no surprise that Paul concludes 1 Corinthians 13 with a now these three remain, faith, hope and love. 
but the greatest of these is love. So he's reminding the church of the three priorities that should govern their lives. One is faith, two is hope, three is love. Faith and hope are super important, but more than anything, it's love that comes first. But how does this apply to our relationships? Well, if love is foundational to all, then that includes the relationships that we have with others. But this can become difficult, considering our concept of relationships has been warped by the society we live in. This is a view that dominates headlines and can be seen at every turn, one of self and something that weighs relationships on personal gain. Questions are asked about what individuals can do for us, such as whether they can give us help with our homework. Do they make you laugh? Do they give you lifts to school? Can you rely on them when times are tough? Whether we like to admit it or not, we frequently become selfish. This is a detrimental trait to our relationships. Some of the questions, such as whether a friend can be there for us, are understandable. We want our friends to care, and we want them to have things in common with us. But love does not discriminate. With it recently having been International Women's Day, this image is frequently circulated to make a statement about the importance of remembering humanity of the individual rather than quantifying their worth based on what they can do for us. This applies to all of our relationships. Women shouldn't face discrimination because they're someone's mother or sister or daughter or wife. Simply, she should be loved because she's someone. She's a person that makes her worthy of love and respect. The same goes for everyone you encounter. The homeless man asking for money as you walk through town is worthy of love. The person at school who's left out or bullied is worthy, as lo is worthy of love. The person you dislike more than anyone is worthy of love, and you are worthy of love. These people might not be able to offer you anything, so why bother helping them? But they're still a person, so they're still worthy of love. We're told to love our neighbours as much as we love ourselves, and this applies to everyone. But how can we access this when we live in a modern world? We find many examples of Jesus' love through the New Testament, and the love of God runs throughout the Bible. Through following Jesus' example, we can aim to apply love in all circumstances. But it's important to recognise that we're called not to judge others, but we are called to hold each other accountable. 1 Corinthians 5 addresses this when Paul says that we're not responsible for the actions of those that don't believe in God. But if we're a Christian, we're responsible for those who are fellow Christians. The common misconception of Christian relationships is that because we're called to love and forgive everyone, that we're doormats. We're allowed to just lie down and everyone can walk all over us. But Jesus displayed righteous anger. He called people out. He didn't just let people go along living lives that he saw was unhealthy for them. But he always loved those that he corrected. So what Paul is saying here is that we should always love one another, but we should hold each other responsible for our actions so that we all stay on the right path with God. So it's evident that the call to love is extended to our relationships, but we must be truthful with one another so that we can grow with God. Like our romantic relationships, our friendships also should bring out the best in us so that we can nurture a relationship with God. This doesn't mean we should stop loving people if they don't serve that purpose in our lives anymore, but it does mean that our priorities should allow us to walk away when we feel like it is necessary. And even when we walk away, the truth of 1 Corinthians 13 must be remembered and we should still love those who are no longer in our lives. 
Another crucial aspect of friendship is mentioned in John 15:13, which says, There's no greater love than this, than to lay down one's life for one's friend. This doesn't necessarily mean that we need an excuse to actually lay down our lives. We don't need to be like finding a bullet to jump in front of. But it does mean that we need to be selfless in our relationships, just as Jesus was. So here's a little recap. I know I've been waffling on for a little while. So we find our guidelines for romantic relationships in the Bible so that they don't become unhealthy. The key to finding healthy relationships is respecting and loving ourselves and others. We should love everyone, even strangers. We should hold each other responsible in love to our actions and all relationships should serve to bring us closer to God. But finally, and most importantly so, our relationships on earth are modelled on the relationships that we should have with God. And this is why so many of our relationships fall short. Far too often we place unreachable expectations on our relationships. Your boyfriend or girlfriend can't solve all your problems. Neither can your friends, neither can your family. None of us can say that we're perfect. And so in one way or another, we're going to let each other down. These are some of the most significant relationships in my life. And yet there's not one person on this photo who can totally fulfill my expectations. How often have you said, but you just don't understand, or that's not fair. My mom's definitely heard those a few times. <laughs> or maybe you're a bit like me, and after expecting your boyfriend or girlfriend to read your mind after you've told them that nothing's wrong for the hundredth time, and they're not getting it right, you're going to get annoyed. We can all be insensitive, we can all misunderstand each other, and we can't read minds. And even though that would be a pretty cool superpower, I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon. The same definitely goes for me and the people on there, but I love them. We're not perfect and we let each other down, but if we didn't have such high and unrealistic expectations in the first place, then we'd not be able to do so in the same way. Our disappointment happens when we try to make something fit for a purpose that it should never have to do. We often turn our relationships with others and expect them to give us the love and acceptance and significance that we need. And whilst the relationships with our family and friends can help us experience these things, they can never fully satisfy what we want. The reason relationships with others often break down is because they were never meant to take the strain of fulfilling these needs. Only God can fully satisfy our inbuilt desires to be connected, loved and accepted. So our earthly relationships are imperfect, but can be made incredible and uplifting through the love of 1 Corinthians 13. We can serve each other by loving each other and following Jesus' example. But this includes being honest and respectful to ourselves and others. The Bible is clear on what it means to have fulfilling relationships with everyone and we must realise that it's often when we stray from these guidelines that our relationships break down and by pursuing a relationship with God he can strengthen our relationships with others and fill us with the love that we need to give to others. So most importantly than all we all have access to a relationship with a God who shows us what love truly is so even when our worldly relationships fail us he never will. Thank you.